Hello, and welcome to the Running Hook Podcast, hosted by Alex Burr, a member of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Another edition of the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. I am joined once again by my co-host, Dylan Hughes. Dylan, in my tradition of throwing change-ups when you're expecting fastballs, the Colts are, or excuse me, the Bills are favored by minus 6.5 this weekend in their first round matchup. Do you think the Colts will win or do you think the Bills will cover? You know, I'm pretty worried about this. Like, the Bills have won six straight. They don't really have any weaknesses in their in their game. Like, I still don't really trust Josh Allen as a thrower, but they don't really need to trust him is the thing. And, like, the Colts – here's the problem with the Colts. So, Anthony Costanzo's out. So, you have a, a left tackle that you just pick up who was retired. Jared Veldier retired for the entire season. And he's like, you know what? I'll take some money. And, you know, I mean, it, an offensive lineman is probably the one position where you could just come out of retirement and be fine. But I, I, I just don't know. And, like, Rivers is not mobile. He's, he's going to make mistakes if he gets any sort of pressure. And I think it's going to be the Bills by a lot. I hate to say it. Wow. Um, I don't know if you saw, but we put clips on uh, on Twitter. That's something where that's something I'm trying to do now to help, you know, kind of build engagement in 2021. Um, Zach Griffith and Bryce Shaddy both picked the Colts over the Bills. Now, is this surprising to you <laughs> or are you not surprised because they're both massive homers? <laughs> I would love to hear why they think the Colts are going to win. And, and, and I want to preface it by saying I wouldn't be shocked if the Colts win. Because, like, this is a team that's different every freaking week. I mean, so, you know, blowing the lead to Pittsburgh is one thing. Like, Pittsburgh, despite their problems, they obviously have a great team on both sides of the ball. And, you know, the Jacksonville thing last week was – I think they were trying to look ahead too much. And it, you know, they relied on a 250-yard game from Jerry, uh, Jonathan Taylor to win that. But, like, the talent is there. But it's just like the offensive play calling is is shoddy most of the time. Like they really need defensive, like big defensive plays, turnovers. And I just I don't see the Bills making enough mistakes for the Colts to capitalize. I just I don't see it. I do have to say before we move on to our NBA coverage, this has to be one of the most stacked um, AFCs like one of the most stacked conferences ever. The fact that the Bil- the Dolphins were ten and six and missed the playoffs, <laughs> like there are years where you could look at like a division winner and be like, oh my god, they were so much better than that division winner and they didn't make the playoffs. No, every single team, every single playoff team in the AFC finished with eleven wins or more. Like <laughs> I think that's pretty incredible for just. I mean, three teams in the AFC North had. I mean, it was the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns. They went twelve and four, eleven and five, eleven and five. That's pretty good. Like, I have to give the AFC props this year. NFC, I will not give you props, especially since Washington made the playoffs. Um, but the the AFC, an incredible conference. Yeah, man. Whoever whoever fights their way out of the AFC is going to be they're going to be primed and ready. 
And, like, they were going to take a beating along the way. Whoever comes out of the NFC is probably going to – I don't want to say it's a cakewalk, but mother of God, like, every team has something wrong with them. Like, half the teams don't have an offense. Half the teams don't have a defense. It's, like, maybe Green Bay is, like, the most filled out, complete team. But, like, you go back to last year and they get blown out by San Francisco. So, it's, like, I don't know what to expect from the NFC. The AFC, like – I think any of four teams could come out and I wouldn't be surprised. I think my, my prediction, I think the Colts are going to come out of the AFC. No, I don't. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, it's got to be the Chiefs for me. I mean, I just, that's, I that's see, where I'm leaning. I want Pat Mahomes in a Super Bowl, but as many as he can, because that guy is so much fun, so much fun. But Let's move on to basketball. And as we started last week, and we'll probably keep doing because there's probably going to be a lot of injuries in the upcoming weeks. We're going to start with our injury report. The injury report isn't very big this week, but for the Orlando Magic, it was very big as they lost their uh, their starting point guard and Markel Fultz to a torn left ACL. So Dylan, um, this is obviously a massive loss for the Magic. And my only question for you is, does this put them squarely in the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes with the Grizzlies. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but they're, they're worthless now. Like I have no interest in watching them because I, I enjoyed watching Mark Hill earlier in the year. Like the games I watched, I mean, you know, two of them were against the wizards, so it wasn't tough competition, but I mean, he, he's like really like found his game and I still think he's got a little bit of room to grow. Um, or maybe even more than a little bit because his offense is still is still fairly raw, I would say. Like, his shot is still not there. But, man, like, he, he was looking confident. And, like, you know, in our season preview, we weren't too high on the Magic this year. And um, even if he was healthy, I think they would have not been, you know, much of a playoff threat. But, like, with him out of it, it's like – it's it's going to be the Cole Anthony show now, and and I don't think anyone wants to see that. I so I've watched Cole Anthony for about one whole game, right? You know, a lot of these guys I watch for a half, and rookies, it's not really fair to judge them based off one half. You see, unless they're like bound to be role players, right? That being said, Cole Anthony strikes me as the kind of player who will frequently have thirteen points on thirteen shots. That just that seems to be his trajectory. He's very streaky. And he is not ready to lead a playoff team. I don't even know if I can say Markel Fultz was 100% ready to lead a playoff team. He looked like he was ready. But again, the games we watched were against the Wizards. So, and just, that's just us being fair. So I would hope that he comes back healthy because it was, because he was just starting to get his confidence back. And we were just starting to see why he was the number one pick. And I mean, he'll, he'll never have a jump shot. I don't think at this point, I don't think he'll ever be like, but if he can hit make 72% of his free throws, I think that's a career salvage. And I think that'll it obviously sucks for Philly that they could have had Tatum and Simmons and Embiid. <laughs> but that's their fault and not Markel Fultz's fault. Yeah, and like the Philly aspect is just I'm over it. Like I think Philly was a big part of why he's just now coming along. I mean, it just wasn't a good situation for him. And I know there was some behind-the-scenes stuff with his family, too, that was impacting him. But, uh, you know, it's 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 good that he got out of that. And, and I think as soon as he got traded to Orlando, everyone felt pretty good about um, his prospects there. And, 
you know, of course, Orlando is notorious for underdeveloping players, but it was just a good chance for him to, you know, kind of do whatever he wants and figure things out on his own and have some sort of guidance along the way um, from an experienced coach. And, you know, it was starting to work out. And, you know, it's tough to, you know, tell what he's going to be. And I'm not worried about his knee, really, because we've seen, like, these ACL injuries are just not that big of a deal anymore. Um, you know, of course, there's different varieties and all that, but it's – they figured it out. Um, so, hopefully next year he'll come back and uh, pick things up where he left it, which was pretty good. Yeah, I hope so for his sake because he's really, like, a fun player to watch and just so athletic. And I like I, like we we're both saying, we just hope he comes back because it sucks because I can understand the kind of mental strain that he's already had in his career. And it's unfortunate because no one deserves that. But he that's the consequence. Like as much as there is a consequence to being the number one overall pick, <laughs> you have to live with that burden on your shoulders. And I it looked like he was just starting to overcome that. But let's move on to another young point guard and Killian Hayes, who tore his hip labrum. So um, I know nothing about this injury. I'm not going to lie to you, but it doesn't sound good. I've also not watched any Killian Hayes because I've not willingly put the Pistons on yet. I refuse to do so out of protest. Um, Dylan, any thoughts on this Killian Hayes injury or can we move on to the teams? (laughs) Yeah, for sake of time, uh, we'll get around to Killian Hayes later in the season, hopefully. But right now, uh, just another terrible or just another reason to not watch the Pistons basically poor guy that's all that's all I have to say poor guy yeah that's um it's really it's really bad um before before we move on to the teams Dylan I I would be remiss if I forgot at the end of the podcast we threw out a college football take and I think Uh, it's I think it's time for us to apologize because I I ate crow I need to eat crow too I said Ohio State would get stumped you said things worse than me all all we need to say is I'm sorry (laughs) because we were wrong just admit we were wrong (laughs) You know, I'm really – I would love to think that Justin Fields took that content in and and really took it to heart and said, you know what, they're starting to doubt me. Like I know this is a basketball podcast, but they clearly understand the game of football and they don't believe in me. So not only am I going to come out and dominate, like I'm going to get absolutely rattled beforehand and still throw for six touchdowns and just completely demolish – the number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence and, you know, the rest of his teammates who are probably also going to be, you know, drafted in the first three rounds. So good on Justin Fields and good on us for motivating him. You know, I mean, I don't think he would have done it without us. So really he should be thanking us and we don't have to apologize. I don't think, but uh, you know, for the sake of symbolism, we'll go ahead and admit that we were wrong and we'll just go ahead and move on. And and I'll say I'm rooting for him because I hate Alabama. So go Justin Fields and Ohio State. If this last week has proved anything, Dylan, it's that two people listen to our podcasts, Justin Fields and Rick Carlisle. And I mean, when it comes down to it, those are two pretty good people to have listening to your podcast. So shout out to them. If you could each leave individual reviews stating and just sign it at the end. That would, that would be great for our podcast and then I could tweet it out. But in all seriousness, let's move on to the teams. So in case you needed a reminder for this week, our teams were the Brooklyn Nets, the Sacramento Kings, and the New Orleans Pelicans. And let's just, let's just get the Nets out of the way and then we'll decide the order we want to talk about the other teams. So the Nets, the Nets had a hell of a week. 
<laughs> just in really all aspects. They um, so the day before we recorded our podcast, because that was a real barn burner of a game. That might be the game of the NBA season. They beat the Hawks one forty five to one forty one. Then on the second end of the home and home, or actually they played both games in Brooklyn. It looks like they lost to the Hawks one fourteen to ninety six. They lost to the Washington Wizards by one again. <laughs> We picked the wrong week to do the Wizards. Um, And then they destroyed the Jazz, 130-96. And they're playing the Philadelphia 76ers right now, but Kyrie and KD are both out. KD is going to miss the rest of the week, probably until next Tuesday, it sounds like, Tuesday or Wednesday. And then Kyrie is missing tonight for personal reasons. Um, Dylan, I think we picked the wrong week to talk about the Nets. As soon as I saw that KD was out for four games, I'm like, oh, what did we get ourselves into? And it was like, it was too late for us to change, too. Like, if it happened the day after we recorded it, it would be like, okay, we'll switch it up. We'll do them next week or whatever. And it happened like in the middle of the week. It's like, I think we both already watched a game or two. It's like, okay, well, we'll just have to stick with this. And, uh, you know, it's been. Um, they're they're just a different team every game. They have different starting lineups every night, and I I don't know. I mean, there are things to talk about, but it definitely uh, was poor timing on our part. It was an interesting week, and I will say which games I watched. So the reason I included the 145-141 game in there is because I had to watch that game. <laughs> when I saw the score of that game, I was like, I'm an idiot if I don't watch this. And so I watched that, and then I watched the Wizards game. Because those were the only two. And I tried to watch the Hawks game tonight, but it just didn't end up working out before we uh, before we recorded. So they, this is, I think the Nets can be boiled down pretty simply. If KD and Kyrie are on, they're unstoppable. If they're not, they're average. And I think that's really all it boils down to. Like, they're not particularly great other than they have the best player in the world who I would say is 75% back, 75% of old KD. He's taking a lot of contested jump shots, and those are going to start stop falling at some point. And then there's the fact that he, at the end of that Wizards game, he just totally missed like a wide open 12-foot fadeaway. That's normally KD cash. And I'm concerned about him, but Kyrie, Kyrie looks great in this role. This is the role Kyrie should have been playing this whole time. Obviously, I understand if you're Kyrie Irving, you are going to believe that you can be the best player on a championship team because you have the skills required to be the best player on the championship team, but you don't have the body for it. And (laughs) you just don't have what it takes, right? Like you need a certain kind of body. Steph Curry needed to be surrounded with a perfect team. So it's no, it's no slight for a six, three point guard to not be able to carry a team to a championship. And I think as a second banana, he's perfectly cast. Um, Levert, I mean, Levert did Levert things. I think he kind of struggled this week. Didn't really look good when I watched him. And DeAndre Jordan's got to get the fuck out of the starting lineup. I He is trash at this point. Like, not, okay, DeAndre, if you're listening to this, you're not trash. You were really good on the Lob City, Lob City Clippers, but just let, let Jared Allen start, man. He's a lot better than you at this point. And it's, if you want Jared Allen's confidence to be up, you need him to start. Um, Anything else? What else do you want to touch on, Dylan? Well, yeah. So, so I watched this Jazz game where the Nets beat the Jazz thirty by thirty four without KD. And going into that game, I'm like, "There's no way 
Like, this is not going to be a game worth watching. And I didn't watch the fourth quarter, and it wasn't because the Jabs were up. It was because the Nets were up. And really, it was Kyrie. Like, Kyrie gave them a huge head start. I think he made, like, his first eight shots or something. Like, he scored, like, something like 20 points in the first quarter. And there was, it was just it. That was it for them. That was it for for the Jazz. And to add on to your DeAndre point, so there's two two moments of clarity here, okay? So the Hawks, the second Hawks game where the Hawks won by like 20 or whatever. So the first half, DeAndre played a lot. And Clint Capella was just feasting inside. Like, he was getting lobs from Trey. He was getting rebounds, putbacks, and all that stuff. Easy money, you know. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a tough game for Clint Capella at all. The second half, Jared Allen goes in. Clint Capella does nothing. So, it's like, okay, that's the first moment. It's like, okay. Like, I think Jared Allen may be way better than, Clint, or than DeAndre here. So, then this Jazz game – I don't think I have ever seen someone shut Rudy Gobert down like Jared Allen did this game. Rudy Gobert was three for 10. And I might add that Rudy Gobert is seven, two or whatever he is with long ass arms. His job is to shoot 70% from the field. And Jared Allen blocked him like three times. Like Jared Allen is not, um, a very large center. Like he, I mean, he's center size. Like he's not necessarily undersized, but he's not as big as Rudy Gobert. And Rudy Gobert really shouldn't have problems with someone like Jared Allen. But Jared Allen just always seems, first of all, he's really good at positioning himself. And second of all, he's really good at timing. So like, it doesn't really matter how big he is. Like he's, he's always, and that's why I think he's had so much success blocking guys and he's got a lot of attention in the past for blocking LeBron and blocking some other big players but like he just knows where to be and when and this game was a perfect example of that like he completely shut Gobert down and not only did he shut him down on defense but he shot eight for nine so he had 19 points and 18 rebounds and then he gets two blocks and three steals I mean, that's about as damn good as it gets. And you know DeAndre's not doing that. So, I mean, you can just see a clear difference in their team when Jared Allen is out there compared to DeAndre. Because, see, one of the problems I think for the Nets I've noticed is their defense is just not very good. They don't seem to care much, which isn't really shocking. Like, I don't think Kyrie and KD are really in the business of playing lockdown defense at this point. And I don't think anyone else on that team really is either. <laughs> I mean, Torian Prince is just a person. I don't know what else to say about him. He's a person. He's on the he's on the court. You know, Joe Harris is is Joe Harris. He's he makes threes. You know, like this this team is not built of incredible one on one defenders. And when you have DeAndre out there, it just compounds all their defensive problems because he's not a rim protector anymore. Like, he doesn't care about defense either. He's he's going for rebounds and and, uh, and lobs. That's, that's what he is now. Jared Allen, though, he cleans a lot of this stuff up. And you can see a clear difference in, in their team when he's out there. So, you know, 
of of uh not that we watched either of us watched a ton of nets this week but that was my biggest takeaway was was just the vast difference between Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan I think the past few games Steve Nash has realized uh who the better of those two guys is you want to you want to hear what I have to say I would play Jeff Green over DeAndre Jordan at this point like unironically, he would be a better center for them. He proved in Houston. Honestly, he was at like not as good as PJ Tucker, but he was a hell of a backup for PJ Tucker when you know they were deploying in that way. And I think that's how you got to roll, right? You want your this team is pretty much all offense, like you said, but they have the offense, like they have offensive, like just so much firepower, even with Dinwiddie out, who is you know we talked about last week, but they just have so much firepower on their team that you could outscore like this team should probably be scoring like 120 points a game legitimately. Like they should be probably averaging 120 points a game. The problem is the NBA doesn't work like that. And they are not going to be averaging 120 points a game, but Kevin Durant averaging 25 and Katie averaging or Katie Kyrie averaging 20, 22, 23. Add in Joe Harris. Joe Harris is <laughs> on fire to start the season. You want to guess Joe Harris's three-point percentage? Um, is it above 50? It is above 50. It's at 51 on six attempts a game almost. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He is on fire. He is going to probably shoot more threes as the season goes on. Um, I mean, their offense just is... Perfect. You know, Bruce Brown's going to slide in perfectly as like a seventh, eighth man. Shamit's going to slide in perfectly off the bench. They have so much slot up shooting that, yeah, they're going to go cold sometimes. But their offense should be potent enough where they score enough to offset their shitty defense. Because I think this team could be average on defense. I think that's its peak, just based on what I've seen. I don't think they have the firepower, right? Like, the difference between them and the Hawks, even though the Hawks <laughs> did allow the the Nets to score 145 points. The Nets don't have anyone as good as Hunter or Reddish on their roster. Like, I wouldn't even say they have anyone as good as Capella at center either, like as much as we both like Jared Allen. And I think that's the biggest difference for me. It's like those those guys are big athletic wings, and that's just something the Nets don't have other than Lavert. and Lavert's not trying to play defense like that either. So I think that this team is going to be <laughs> – is going to probably finish, like, if they finish, like, 16th or 17th on defense and finish, like, third on offense, I think that they could win 45 games, you know, which is the equivalent, basically, of 50 in a regular season. I think that that's possible, but I just, I don't know how likely them winning 45 games is. I could see them going, like, 40 and 32 or 39 and 33, something like that, right? Because they're just going to lose a lot of games because they're, their shooting goes cold. I just do you think that they can sustain like an average off defense for the rest of the season? Um, I would say no, but if Bruce Brown plays more, I think that would help at least. Um, and I mean, you would think he would because with Dinwiddie out, they really don't have another option. And Bruce Brown is good for them because he doesn't really shoot many shots. Like, that's not his game. And, like, in that Jazz game, I think he had, like, all six of his points in, like, the first five minutes of the game. Like, he he kind of just plays off who they have out there. And, like, 
that entire team is, I mean, like someone has to sacrifice shots, right? Like there's just, there's so much, you got to feed Harris and you got to feed Kyrie and Katie, obviously Karis Levert, and you have to stop feeding Torian Prince, but that's, that is another discussion, but my God, Torian Prince is awful. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Bruce Brown, like I like Bruce Brown. I, I really like that trade for them. I mean, trading, they, that was, I think they got, they traded Musa for him and maybe a second or something, but like, that was such an easy win. I mean, I don't think Musa, I mean, I think we've both talked about how he's probably the worst player in the league or at least in that conversation. And Bruce Brown is nowhere near that level. Like Bruce Brown is good. I like Bruce Brown a lot. He's not, I mean, he's not a starter, like he's a decent backup, but again, like he, he offers some ball handling, some defense and, um, and obviously he's not, you know, you can't just have Bruce Brown hold your defense together, but I do think that he, he's uh, necessary because like Shamit is not going to play defense either. And I actually, you know, Shamit did not play in that jazz game. And I kind of wonder if he's already fallen out of favor with Nash because like they had so much shooting on this team. They just don't, I don't know if they need his shooting. Like they could use it sometimes, but, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Because even with Dinwiddie out, I mean, you know, you just – you got to do something besides shoot. And Shamit doesn't really do much else. You know where he would be great? Back on his old team, the Sixers. He would literally fit perfectly there. And the problem is, is that they don't – I would probably play Seth Curry over him. So let's just, oh, let's, yeah. just go, let's just go over the three teams real quick. So – 76ers. I would play Seth Curry over him. I would probably, even though you don't like him, I'd probably still play Danny Green over him. I'd definitely play Shake Milton over him. Okay. Let's go to the Clippers. I would probably play, uh, no, I would definitely play Lou Will over him, Beverly over him, as much as I don't like them as players. And obviously, you take Kennard over Shamit 10 times out of 10. I, even with the injury risks, I'd rather have Kennard over, over Shamit. Then you leave him with his current team and Tyler Bumpy Johnson is taking his minutes, okay? <laughs> and Tyler Johnson is a fine NBA player, but when he's stealing your minutes, that's a problem. Because that guy, I just don't, I've never thought Tyler Johnson was particularly great. And the fact that he's stealing Shamit's minutes when Shamit's been like, when Sh- I feel like Shamit's actually been really hyped up for a role player, and I don't feel like he deserves a lot of the hype. I feel like, he doesn't do anything other than shoot. And the pro- I think the thing, okay, here's, here's my uneducated theory. Okay. My theory is that he played on teams where they didn't have a lot of shooting, right? Like on the 76ers or on the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers had a lot of shooting, but it is a lot of theoretical shooting more than actual shooting. And so he stands out there, but on this team, he's not going to stand out. Cause like we've been saying, they have snipers like on their team. I'd rather play Bruce Brown over him. Cause Bruce Brown plays defense and is maybe like a, 10% worse shooter. So I, the Landry Shamit conundrum, I think it's a conundrum only for Steve Nash. <laughs> I would, and I understand because it's like, oh, Shamit's this big offseason acquisition. And then it's like, nope, he's like, he's just a spot up shooter. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, he looked so good in Philly because, first of all, he was learning from J.J. Redick. And second of all, he was playing with Ben Simmons. 
that that was like that was what he needed and once he got out of that it's like oh like maybe he's not actually that good and i mean you know it's never bad to have shooting on your roster but like i think most playoff teams now you know he's gonna battle to be a backup off guard and that's it like he's he's nowhere near a sure thing in your rotation and you know, it's it's not really that surprising that he's fallen out of Steve Nash's rotation this early on because, again, like, they just have so many mouths to feed there. Landry Shamit, like, just has to do something besides shoot to earn those minutes, and so far he has not done so. I mean, I didn't even – I'm on his basketball reference page right now. I didn't realize he was a first-round pick. I, I didn't – I thought he was a second-rounder undrafted. But – the, the problem with Shamit is that he's he's a shooting guard in a point guard's body. And they tell you that that doesn't matter anymore, but when you can't dribble, <laughs> it does matter. And the, the thing about, like, C.J. McCollum is, right, C.J. McCollum can dribble the hell out of the ball. Like, Lou Will can dribble the hell out of the ball. Landry Shamit can't really dribble at all. If you full-court pressure him, he's not, he has to pass it. He can't get around you. And that's part of the problem. And... That's I think Shamit has kind of gotten overrated just because he can shoot and everyone's like, oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. But it's like, is he can he actually play basketball? And because if you could spot up shoot threes, that's great. There's probably like 400 guys you could pick up off the scrap heap who can shoot as well as Landry Shamit. And I just that's why I'd rather have Bruce Brown. Like, yeah, Bruce Brown's a worse shooter probably than Shamit is, but he's a better basketball player. And that's just something that you can't like. Yeah, Landry Shamit's, you know, a great shooter. But I'd rather have the great basketball player. Ten times out of ten. Yeah, I mean, look at someone like like Troy Daniels, for example. Yeah, that's a great example. You know, like it's it the thing about Troy Daniels is I think he's he's always a guy that you sign in the middle of the season because you know exactly what he's gonna do. You bring him in if you need shooting and you're willing to sacrifice literally everything else. And I think Landry Shannon may be headed for that kind of role where like you only sign him if you are desperately in need of shooting and nothing and you're willing to just give up on everything else. And Troy Daniels, to his credit, has made a career out of that. I mean, he's probably played for half the teams in the league. He's played for the. It seems like he keeps going back between the Suns and the Lakers. But uh, and I think he was last seen in Denver. He actually may still be there. I haven't checked, but uh you know, I think I think that's probably where Landy Sherman's headed. And like you said, you can get anyone out of the G League or undrafted out of college that probably is about that good at shooting and they can't do anything else. And, you know, those guys don't make the league. And to be fair, you know, Shamit was a first-round pick, and, and I actually did like him coming out of college. And the end of the first round is hit or miss. So it's, it's not shocking that he's become this, but – you know, I think people expected him to become more a better ball handler, and he has just not become that at all. Another guy in that mold before, I think we can move on from the Nets in a second, but another guy in that mold is Anthony Morrow. 
Oh mm, my God. Yes. How many teams brought in Anthony Morrow? Cause it's like, Oh my God, we need shooting. We need shooting. And Anthony Morrow was able to stick. I don't, I'm pulling up his basketball reference page right now, but he stuck around for like eight years. Right. Yeah. Way longer than he probably should have just cause he could shoot. Like he's a career 41% three point shooter, like 41.7. That's pretty good. But Anthony Morrow couldn't really do anything else. And that was the problem. And he couldn't play defense at all. And I remember the thunder brought him in one year or they he played on the thunder for a few years actually damn i just mm-hmm. now realized and he just he was like oh we, you know we need shooting we need shooting because the thunder teams never had any shooting and then he just couldn't do anything else and it compromised everything else they were doing on the floor and that's that's kind of i it seems like that's the the mold shamit is breaking into and it's it's frightening um one last one last big picture one last big picture next question before we move on to either team that you want to choose from um do you think it matters if the nets finish with the first seed do you think they can talent their way to the finals from any seed um i mean if they have a top four they're probably fine like i think when we did our preview and we both gave i believe we both gave the nets top two i know i did yeah um I think we we did not consider the fact enough that they don't care. I, I don't think we really thought about that enough because, you know, the the talent is one thing, but they just don't care about defense right now. And and like I guess I don't blame them. Like I don't they're gonna have to care about it at some point. I don't know if they're gonna be able to do it very well. Um but Again, like we're talking about, like they're going to score a lot of points and they're going to give up a lot of points. Like I wouldn't be shocked if uh, these shootouts with like the Wizards and the Hawks continue for them because they can put up points with the best of them. Like we know that we know who they have on their team, but the defense is going to hold them back. So, you know, I think I think I would probably bet on the like Boston and Milwaukee at least having a better record than them maybe someone like Miami slides up there too. Um, but yeah, I, I think if they get a top four seed, they're probably fine. I mean, Kevin Durant is light work. I mean, it's only been six games for him, but 28 points a game on 45% from three. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the 45% is going to last, but even if it just falls back to his like regular, like his career average is 38%. If he stays around 40, I think they'll probably be fine on offense. <laughs> The defense is definitely concerning, but I think that they're still, they're by far the most talented team in the East. Like Milwaukee, I just don't think has that kind of talent, like top to bottom on the roster, right? And this is the thing about the Nets to me, okay? They're what everyone was saying about the Clippers last year, but with an actual top two player. (laughs) Because as much as we both love Kawhi, he is not on LeBron's level. And I'd say almost that, if the, te- if the team's defense is constructed better, I'd rather have Katie and Kyrie than LeBron and AD. But I don't think they have enough of a support system to back that claim. But if KD averages 28 points a game, they're they're going to make the finals. Like, he's just too good. <laughs> he's too good even after coming off of an Achilles, which is crazy. He's I, I don't think he's getting separation all the way yet, but it's almost there. Like, he's close. His footwork is good enough to get him by, guys which is crazy. Like he's kind of like late stage Kobe, right? Where Kobe just kind of used the footwork to get 
they get buckets, but his footwork and his length just make him so hard to guard. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, he is like the perfect body to like have to play through this recovery because he he can slowly work him his way back because he just has all those tools. Like we've talked about this before, but like he a lot of his game is not relied on, you know, needing his Achilles to be up to standard, you know, like a lot of, a lot of this game is getting in the mid post and shooting a turnaround J over someone that has absolutely no chance of guarding him. And that hasn't changed. So, you know, as he works his body way, his body back, and even if his body never gets to the point uh, where it was, which it very well might not, like we've discussed this at length in the past, that these Achilles injuries make it very tough um, on jumping and creation, space creation, all that. But again, like he doesn't necessarily need all those things because of his length. So um, I'm interested to see him, him continue to work through all that. But yeah, I mean, he's so far, he has not had any issues with it. And on that note, let's go ahead and move on to one of our next teams. So I'm assuming you probably want to get New Orleans out of the way too, since you, you're not a fan of New Orleans. So let's go ahead and talk about New Orleans. So they had a they had a pretty good week, actually, for the for the good old Pels down in New Orleans. So on December 31st, they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 113 to 80. On January 2nd, they beat the Raptors 120 to 116. And then they lost to the Pacers in overtime. 118 to 116 and then <laughs> I said they had a good week but this is a really bad loss to the Thunder 111 to 110 there's no way they should have lost to the Thunder Thunder might be the worst team in the league or at least we thought they were going to be turns out they were a little friskier than we thought but Dylan just get it off your chest what do you have to say about the New Orleans Pelicans okay so let's let's break this down so a lot of these issues relate to to their lack of, of space. But let's – so let's talk about this, okay? So, I mean, we knew coming in, Stephen Adams, Zion Williamson, not a lot of space. And it is very frustrating to watch Zion take three people on at once. Now, to Zion's credit, he's leading the league in points in the paint. And that's because Zion is a freak. Like, it doesn't – it doesn't matter what's in front of him. He just scores anyway. So luckily for them, the lack of space doesn't impact him too much. It does impact him. Like he's not, he's not making every shot at the rim that he could because Steven Adams is freaking right there. And you have their two defenders guarding him plus a help defender that always comes down. So that is hurting them. So Having those two, though, on the defensive end is helping because technically they have the fifth best defense in the league by defensive rating. I think that is a little dis- – well, it's not deceiving because, you know, that those are the numbers. But it still hurts them in other ways. Like, so, okay, they have the most rebounds – per game in the league at 50. Not surprising. Um, on the flip side of that, they are shooting 31% from three. Like, 
So it's like, what do you want? Do you want rebounding or shooting? They're getting rebounding right now, and that's great. They are not allowing a ton of points in the paint. They're not allowing many second-chance points. They allow the second-least second-chance points in the league. All those things are great, but they have absolutely no spacing. Um, on the defensive side, their three-point defense is completely awful. And that was a huge chance of why the Thunder won last night. Like, the Thunder have a bunch of players that I don't think – more than maybe 10% of NBA fans know. Like, I can't even think of examples of names because I don't know them. Like, I think there's like two or three rookies they're playing. Isaiah Roby. Isaiah Roby I have heard of. There's another dude. There's a guy on the Thunder who's like seven foot tall. He looks exactly like J.E. Skeets from No Dunks. And he he looks like, okay, you ever play NBA Jam? Uh, yes. He looks like the bobblehead from NBA Jam. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. It's like Povchetsky or something like that. Some real hockey-ass name. But, yes, that's another guy that no one would have ever heard of. Yeah, and as I'm talking, I'm trying to pull the game log up from yesterday because, like, there are people on this team that no one has ever heard of, but they kept hitting threes on the Pelicans. Like, the Pelicans just... They the problem, and this happens with a lot of young teams. I think I'm kind of surprised that understand Van Gundy they are having these problems, but like they just overhelp the hell out of everyone. And so the Thunder put up 46 threes last night and made 19 of them. So Mike Muscala makes five of seven. That's not good. <laughs> I mean, Mike Muscala was having no problems. So this is the guy, Theo Maladon. I mean, has anyone ever heard of him? I would love I would love some I'm, feedback on this from the public. I'm sure Kevin O'Connor has somehow. But other than that, I can't think of anyone who would have heard of who would have heard of him. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I saw that guy making threes and he was two of two last night, I'm like, okay. This this is what's happening. And so, and I'm really glad. Shout out to NBA.com for having stats on freaking everything. I was hopeful to find defensive three point percentage allowed because I'm watching these games. I'm like, this is this is bad. Like my eyes cannot be deceiving me that this is bad. So they are allowing the most above the break threes per game, which is basically non-corner threes. So they're allowing 32 per game, which is three more than the second next team. So, I mean, that, that's a pretty stark difference. And 36.7% of those threes are made, which is about average. So you could say, okay, that's not bad. It's only average. But you would expect those threes to start falling. Like, these are open threes. The fact that only about 37% of them are made makes me think that they have a, a stretch coming up where someone's going to start nailing those a lot at a lot higher clip. Because NBA players don't make 37% of open threes most of the time. It's usually a higher percentage than that. Um, they also allow the most left corner threes attempted. And those are only falling at a 35% rate. And they are allowing the fourth most right corner threes a game, which are only falling at 33%. So, and I, I, we're going to come back in a pod within the next month. 
And the Pelicans are just going to be getting blown out because there's going to be teams starting to hit these threes because unless Stan and Gunny can fix this, I mean, their defensive rotations are awful. Like there, there is just, there's just a lot of issues in it. And it's surprising because like you would think Stan and Gunny would have them in shape or something. Maybe it's just the personnel. Like we know Brandon Ingram's not a great defender. Lonzo ball. I think we overrated a lot. Like I, I think we we never thought he was a great defender, but he has disappointed me. Like he's he's made a lot of had a lot of lapses. Um, on the offensive side, they don't really run plays. Their plays are, hey, Brandon Ingram, here's the ball. We're gonna give you a screen. You're gonna get to the free throw line, and you're gonna shoot an open jumper. That's our offense. And Ingram only has 32% of his shots assisted, which leads the league. And, you know, that's great that you have such a good shot creator that's leading your offense. But when they basically have nothing else, I mean, Lonzo doesn't even look to pass now. He has a career low assist percentage. He comes into the league. That was like one of his best attributes is passing, if not his best. Now he gets the ball. He's like, hey. My shot is fixed, apparently, despite the fact that I'm not making that much higher of a percentage than last year. So let me shoot. So he just he's a shooter now that's not that good at shooting. Zion gets the ball, runs into three guys, and makes it most of the time, but it's still not reliable moving forward. And, you know, Steven Adams is Steven Adams. Like, he's, he's great, great defender and good cleanup guy in the post. He also had 10 of their 25 assists last night, which just shows if Steven Adams is making up that large of a percentage of your assists. That's a problem. It just shows how little, you know, synergy you got in your offense right now. So I just worry. I mean, I'm not even going to talk about Eric Bledsoe. Like we know, we know what Eric Bledsoe is. We knew he was going to be a problem and he's had his games, but he's not Drew Holiday. That's, that's all we can say about that. So I'm I'm very frustrated with the Pelicans. I I don't like watching them on either side of the ball, um, so I will do my best to not watch much of them moving forward. I mean, Dylan, you're not telling me that watching Zion and Ingram combine for 20 free throw attempts a game isn't riveting? Isn't riveting television? I guess that's what you're telling me. <laughs> Listen, I I am happy for those two that they are somehow getting the ball in the rim despite having zero spacing. But I mean, I guess, I guess this lack of spacing helps Ingram because he doesn't really want to shoot threes anyway. So the fact that the mid range is just completely open, I think is probably helping his case, but for, for the love of God, Zion has to like hate this. I mean, he's again, he's Zion. So he's doing very well still, but man, he fights like he has to fight because there is just absolutely no space for him and he makes it work. But it it should be a lot easier for him than it's been. Agreed. Um, I will just say having two guys that can like I mean they're on, only combining for fourteen free throw attempts right now. I think that number is going to go up. Ingram's getting really good at drawing fouls. He yeah, does take a lot of mid range shots, but still guys run into him on the mid range shots. Um, so some real not rebuttals, but Stan Van Gundy is an open admirer of how the Bucks have played defense the last couple of years. And this team does not have the personnel to play defense. 
the way the Bucks do. You know why? Zion Williamson is not Giannis Antetokounmpo and never will be Giannis Antetokounmpo. It will never, like that won't ever work because the key to the Bucks' success is that they have two elite rim protectors in the game at any given time. <laughs> or they have one on the floor all 48 minutes. Um, if you watch, <laughs> I mean, you watch the games, you've seen their defense without uh, Adams out there. Oh my, it's atrocious. It's atrocious. Zion is terrible on defense. Absolutely awful. But he's still Zion Williamson on offense. This team would have been so much better off just keeping the fucking roster from last year. Just why? Like, I get it, Griffin. You're trying to be cute, trying to get all these extra draft picks. Just like, why didn't you keep George Hill? Why didn't you? George Hill would have been perfect for this roster. Instead, George Hill's going to get nabbed by like the fucking Clippers using a disabled player exception or something like that. You, it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> Just don't outsmart yourself. Don't send him to a fucking OKC. You have a guy that made like was the league leader in three point percentage last year, and now you don't have any space on your team. Hmm. I wonder if Dylan, humor me for a second. I wonder if you are playing JJ Redick and George Hill at the same time. I wonder if there's going to be space on that floor. What, what do you think? Do you think that there's going to be going to be room on the court on a with a lineup that includes George Hill and JJ Redick? I, I just don't know. I don't know, man. Watching Eric Bledsoe with a wide open three just pump fake and drive into the abyss. I think I think that's the way you got to go. I mean, anytime you can have the the breaking Eric, that's the thing. I don't know why OKC didn't want Bledsoe. <laughs> He'd make their tank go a lot better. Oh yeah. <laughs> but then he tweet, "I don't want to be here." So I guess right. I guess you have to take the good with the bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. George Hill is going to get scooped up by some good team. And they're just going to like, I don't know why they had to make that a four team trade. I don't really care to look right now, but that just is awful. Awful. Like that. They don't, cause it seems like they want to win, right? You don't bring in Stan Van Gundy unless you want to win. You don't bring in Stan Van Gundy to, ve- to develop guys. He's never been a development guy. I mean, who is he? Like, you can't say he developed Dwayne Wade because Dwayne Wade was always probably going to be Dwayne Wade. And playing with Shaq obviously helped. Um, you can't really say he developed Dwight, because unless you count the four-out one-in as developing Dwight, I mean, God knows he didn't develop anyone on those Pistons teams. And I just don't think it was maybe a good hire, especially, like, on paper, the defense makes sense. <laughs> but in practice, with Zion, it's never going to... It's never going to make sense because Zion isn't, you can't fit him in a Rubik's cube or whatever. That was a bad analogy. Zion's, Zion's that weird piece, that weird puzzle piece that doesn't ever fit where you need it to go, right? Where it's supposed to go. It just won't ever work that way with Zion. He's not going to be like at best, he's going to be like a below average def- perimeter defender. And if he proves me wrong, he proves me wrong. But there was one play I saw this, this week <laughs> where he was closing out, right? And he was doing that little jog that you do when you're trying to get, you know, when the uh, <laughs> when the walk signal is about to turn and that little jog you're you do to try and clear space for the car. That's that's how he was closing out on OG Ananobi, who's a good shooter. That's like and that's not acceptable effort in an NBA game. I'm sorry. It's just not. And I just he's never going to be a good defensive player. And you got to you got to reconcile that. And obviously, yes, surrounding him with good defensive players. That's a smart strategy. I would have rather had Horford and George Hill on this team rather than Bloodzone and Steven Adams, just straight up. 
I think that just would have made way more sense, but who knows? David Griffin is is a basketball GM god, apparently. So he, he can't ever do wrong, Dylan Hughes. That's no one will allow me to say it. Yeah. And you know, it it sucks because like I really like Steven Adams. Like he he's been very good for them this year. I mean, like I, of course I watched the Pacers game that they blew and I mean, Steven Adams makes it fucking hard. Like, not only is he a great rim protector, but, like, his, he's, his hands are always out. Like, he's – those little drop-off passes people try to make in the paint, those don't, those don't happen. Like, those are steals. Like, he makes it incredibly difficult. But it's just the problem is the offense. Like, if you have someone like Zion out there – I mean, if you, if you consistently played Ingram at the four, which obviously would present all kinds of problems on the defensive side – but from an offensive standpoint, if you had someone like Ingram at the four, it would be great. But with Zion out there, it's just a fucking black hole in there. And, and you know, Al Horford obviously would be a lot better. But, uh, you know, Sam Presti seems to always win out, I guess. And hopefully in 2027 when all those picks convey, we'll finally get the full picture of what they're trying to be. Sam Presti and David Griffin, the two most overrated. Oh, wait, Danny Ainge is probably up there, too, actually, now that I think about it. Oh, yeah. I mean. Hey, hey, hey at least Griffin has a title. Um, <laughs> Danny Ainge and, has a title, uh, too. We don't we don't have to mention who was on his team when he won that title. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, now, that J.R. Smith trade was uh, was pretty clutch. Actually, I don't hey. give him props, right? The reason that they're overrated is because they've made some good moves. And then the problem is people think they keep making good moves. <laughs> Joe Dumars. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Um, the Pelicans suck. Um, Josh Hart, I think, is frisky, right? Like, I want him on another team. Yeah. He doesn't make, like, he's just, he doesn't belong on this team. Put him on a contender. He's a role player. Like, you know, he's averaging 8.5 rebounds a game right now. <laughs> I mean, he kind of has to. Like, Fair. when he's out there. I th- it, he he kind of plays like he thinks he's going to be cut the next day, which I kind of love. Like he he plays with a sense of urgency all the time, and you know his shot I think is less reliable than it than it once was. I mean maybe it's just an early season thing. Um, I mean to be fair, JJ Redick has been awful too, but you know I do I do respect uh, Hart's hustle. You respect his heart, exactly. <laughs> Make that into a t-shirt. <laughs> That's getting clipped. It's getting clipped. Um, <laughs> I don't really have any, like Jackson Hayes. Honestly, they should play Melly more. Like it's crazy. I was, I was going to say with Drew Holiday, not on this team, Jackson Hayes is useless, useless. There was a play in this, in the OKC game. Like he makes two plays a game. And, like, it's not even his fault. Like, he has no chance. His game is reliant on creators. And, like, again, this team has no – like, they have no one that really creates for anyone else. Like, Brandon Ingram doesn't create for anyone else. He he looks for his shot. Like I mentioned, Lonzo, his shot. Eric Bledsoe, his shot. Like, Eric Bledsoe is trying to get onto a different team. Like, we all know that. You know, like – and, and it's the same with Zion. So, like – Poor Jackson Hayes is like, hey, what about my shot? I need a shot. And and he got lucky where he got deep post positioning on a uh, fast break. And Eric Blitz was like, oh, hey, 
instead of shooting, maybe I'll pass to this wide open center under the rim. So he does that. And Jackson Hayes has 10 feet long arms and just dunks over whoever was guarding him with no problems. But that's like all, that's all he can do because there's no one to create for him. Like I would love to see the lob numbers at the end of the year. I would be shocked if the Pelicans are not last in lobs because they have no one capable of doing those things. They have two like elite lob threats. As much, yeah. as, I don't, as much as I don't like Jackson Hayes, he's really good as a fucking lob threat. He just, him and Adams both, and they just don't have any, like that's why Favors I think was good for them is because Favors is, I mean, he's athletic, but he's ground bound all things considered, right? Like he's not looking to high fly on people. That's, um, not what Steven Adams, Steven Adams is a lob threat. Like he's fucking athletic and he, I get him on a different team, man. Celtics have a pretty uh, big trade exception. They could, they could use Steven Adams. I would say just throw it. Hey, 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 we, we pined for the Tristan Thompson deal and you're going to just throw him out like that. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I Tristan Thompson's a power forward. That's another, another take I have. I th- the same way that Miles is a power forward for you. I think Tristan Thompson's a power forward again. Because he, okay, we're obviously not talking about the Celtics, but I'll, I'll just throw this take out real quick. So he is, right, the thing that was appealing to him about a center or about being a center was that he could switch on Steph Curry, right? So if you tried to run the Draymond Steph pick and roll, then when the switch happened, you weren't switching from like Mozgov, right? Tristan Thompson was the one switching on you. Well, now that is not as prevalent, right? Small ball is like slowly making its way out of the league. And I think he's a power forward again. He came into the league of power forward. I think he'll finish the league as a power forward because I think it'll just make more sense, right? Now you're going to need a shooter next to him, right? Like I think Melly would be actually a good fit next to him, right? Someone like that. But I don't think that Tristan Thompson is big enough to play center anymore. I just don't. Well, hey, at least he's bigger than Daniel Tice. I mean, so. <laughs> that's that's barely there, though. And Jason Tatum is bigger than both of them. He keeps growing. It's it's amazing that he stays 19 forever and just keeps keeps growing. Um, <laughs> let's move on. So basically, basically what I'm hearing is the Easter Conference Finals is going to be center Jason Tatum versus center Giannis and Tim Cooper. I, I mean, that's how it should be. But um, Rick Carlisle listens to our podcast, Budenholzer and uh, Brad Stevens don't. Brad Stevens, give us some love. We're locals, man. I mean, neither of us went to Brownsburg like you did. I think you went to Brownsburg. I'm not sure. But I'm in the same county, at least. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not, but we're <laughs> in the same state. Same yeah. state. Same region of the state as well. Brad Stevens, where did he? He's Zionsville. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a hop, I, skip, and a jump, you know. You're relatively close to Zionsville, aren't you? Like yeah. probably 20 minutes? Yeah, about a 20-minute drive down 116th Street, you know. I mean, that's, I mean, show, show Dylan Hughes some love, Brad Stevens. Come on now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to our final team for the week. I don't think any of the teams this week made me happy, if I'm being honest with you. I don't, I don't think any of them made me happy. But the Kings probably made me the least Actually, that's not true. But the Kings exist. <laughs> um, Sacramento Kings. So let's let's go through their schedule. They had a pretty they had a pretty busy week. Actually, they played like five games. I think. So they lost the night we recorded the last pod. They lost to the Rockets one twenty two to one nineteen. They then lost another game to the Rockets one hundred two to ninety four. They lost to the Warriors. 137 to 106 in a game where Steph Curry had 30 through three and just sat the last quarter. And then they beat the Bulls 128 to 124. Um, 
Dylan, Grand Grand King's takeaways from the week. Listen, first of all, I cannot describe how much I dislike your dislike for the Kings, okay? This is a team that I picked. Okay, this was not a team that we just happened to agree upon. This is a team that I picked. Listen, I saw them play two games against our Phoenix Suns. I thought they put up a valiant effort. They won one of them. You know they have De'Aaron Fox. Everyone loves him. They have some nice young pieces. And I just don't appreciate the negativity. Because despite the fact – well, listen, you know what? In our preview pod – I said, you know what? Listen, they signed Hassan Whiteside and Frank Kaminsky. They should be investigated by the FBI. I said that. And you know what they did? They cut Frank Kaminsky. They said, okay. So that's another, that's another team. The Kings, someone on the Kings. I hope Joe Dumars isn't listening to this podcast. (laughs) I I don't think it's Joe Dumars. I think, I think you've, you've scared him off, but someone, maybe it's Luke Walton. I did have a nice like three minute interview with Luke Walton. Maybe he remembered it. Maybe he's like, you know what? I'm going to check this pot out. And oh, oh, they don't like Frank Kaminsky. And Hassan White said, all right, Frank Kaminsky's gone. And I, I don't like that Hassan Whiteside's there, but it is what it is. I, I uh, take back my investigation request because they got rid of one of those problems. So I don't appreciate your negativity, sir. But it is what it is. Um, so here are my let me, let me Let me rebut first. I actually didn't hate watching the Kings as much. I think they're a fun team. It's just I'm mad that they're in the Western Conference and they can't ever. They're not going to be better than 10th. It, it's just not possible. But I think that they're a really fun team, actually. I just, I, I'm just i lashing out because they're not in the right conference. But forgive me, Dylan Hughes. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> well, we can get we can uh, get a campaign going to get them to Montreal. I don't think anyone would object with that. I think the people in Sacramento would. They already, you know, mm. Mayor Kevin Johnson, who was later found out the. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. But Mayor Kevin Johnson campaigned hard to keep them in Sacramento, and he won. Yeah, and they have a fairly new arena, but um, you know they can make it like a Monster Jam arena or something. I, I think. Uh, <laughs> For the sake of this podcast. It's so disrespectful. Dylan. <laughs> hey, what's what's wrong with Monster Jam? What has it ever done to you? Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but there's I'm not disrespecting Monster Jam. I'm sure you're all wonderful people over there at Monster Jam. That is such a downgrade. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of people in California. I think you could find an audience for it. I really do. And it's clearly worth the money. <laughs> That's so mean. Why would you do that to the poor people in Sacramento? Why? Listen, man, you could make it a monster jam, Cirque du Soleil. You could have a. You're not making it any better. Obviously, some concerts, you know. This is like you. This is like Caleb Lynn telling all the Pacers fans to shut up during the first episode of Lynn Sanity. This is this is what this is. This I'm having PTSD flashbacks. <laughs> hey, this is all for you. You want them out of the West. What's your what's your uh, I want, what, no. what is your what's what are you gonna how are you gonna solve this problem? I don't want them. I, I want the team itself out of the West. I don't want the actual team Ackerman. Okay. Okay. So we can I'm trade like, them to Toronto. And then we'll trade yeah. Toronto to sack. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's okay. fair. Okay. 
Well, I'm glad we solved that problem because <laughs> I do agree that deer and fox in the East would be a problem. Like, this is the thing about deer and fox. I Like, people are saying, oh, like, I heard people say John Morant is what deer and fox thinks he is. Deer and fox is good. He just doesn't have a chance. Nobody cares. Like, it's amazing to me that people care more about the fucking Grizzlies than they do about the Kings. I mean, like, yes, they should be about the same. But, like, deer and fox can actually create his own shot. And that's something he's really good at. And I just, Jaw's great, right? And I don't want to discount him, and I haven't had a chance to watch like, any potential leaps he made this year. But De'Aaron Fox just has like a stop and pop shot at the free throw line that just I, that's so hard to learn. I think De'Aaron Fox is going to be more more athletic, Mike Conley, where he can just be you know on top of the league, <laughs> not like on top of the league, but Mike Conley was really good for twelve years, just having that floater, that stop and pop floater. And I think De'Aaron Fox can give you a little bit of the same. And I think he's just wasted on the Kings that. I don't see any really pass to improvement because I think this might be about as good as they get. Yeah. I mean, the ceiling of this team is probably like a, like, well, this year at least is like a, you know, a play in tournament type of team. The way they've played so far, that's probably where they're going to end up, like around that area. I pray that they end up better than the Pelicans because I do not want to see them in the play in tournament. But. <laughs> You know, the deer and fox thing, like, I've always been high on him. And I was thinking the other day, like, I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up being better than Ja. It wouldn't shock me. Like, people don't, and again, like you said, he's in Sacramento, so people just don't care. But he, like, the leaps he's made in a short amount of time should be mentioned, like most point guards don't do what he's done so far in his career this early. And Jaw, to be fair, had one of the freaking best rookie point guard season ever, probably. Like I have never in my time at least have never seen a rookie point guard take over like that. But it doesn't mean that he's just gonna, you know, double his production every year. Like he's injured right now, so I don't know. But a lot can happen in, like, five years, for example, you know? Like, I wouldn't be shocked if De'Aaron Fox is better. Like, I I, I think they're in, they're fairly close. Like, they, they're in the same class. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't want anyone to say that, that Jaw is, like, ten times better than him. Like, I don't, I don't think true. it's that big of a discrepancy. I would say, okay, like, point guard tiers off, like, the top of my head. So, obviously, Steph is in tier one by himself. And then Dame... I know you love Dame, but Dame is like right there. But I don't think Dame is as good as Steph. Um, and then like Simmons, and then Trey probably in tier three, and then like the next tier as like Ja and Deer and Fox and like Brogdon. I think those guys are probably all about as good as each other. And obviously Brogdon is another guy that doesn't get the kind of love that those two get. But I just think that those guys are all really good, but they're not like elite. And there's nothing wrong with not being elite. <laughs> Well, I mean, the elite mark for point guards, if the elite mark for point guards is Steph and Dame, then you're going to have two elite guys. I mean, that's fair. But, like, I I think those those guys are head and shoulders above everyone else. I think that, like, I don't like ascribing elite to a lot of players. Like, I'm kind of stingy with that. Like, I think, like, there's, like, two elite centers and it's Jokic and it's Jokic and Embiid, right? Like, I think, like, 
I'd say like the top 12 players are probably elite, right? I think that's probably a fair, probably a fair signifier. And then like the rest are like really fucking good, but not like elite is just different. <laughs> like, I don't know how to describe it, but, and that's, this is no shade of deer and Fox. Cause we love them. There's nothing wrong with being really fucking good. I would say I'd rather be really fucking good than really good. That's, I know it's my tears, <laughs> but like, if I say you're really fucking good, I'm not insulting you. Like, it means I think very highly of you. Just I don't think you're at that level, at that very top level. And there's, I, again, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, is it really insulting to be called a top 25 player in the league? I don't think De'Aaron Fox is that. But, like, is it insulting to be called one of the 30 best guys in the league? Like, a guy that if you were drafting the whole league over from section, you'd be drafted in the first round? I think De'Aaron Fox probably would be drafted in the first round. If, like, if not, he's one of the very first second-round picks. And I just think that he's going to waste his career away in Sacramento. And I just, I hope they can help build the team around him. Let's talk about Halliburton though. <laughs> Cause I, we both yes. love Halliburton. Halliburton is <laughs> honestly, Dylan, he's as good as Bogdanovich was in Sacramento. Like already, like he's just filling that role to a T. What have you liked about what you've seen from Halliburton? Oh my gosh. Like I I'm so happy this is happening because I've I've been on the record with my love even pre pre-draft. He was one of two players I knew. Him and Jalen Smith. And so those were the two guys I pined for. Jalen Smith has had one game and unfortunately he was not good. But that was I blame that on the uh terrible fouling of DeAndre Ayton and whatever the hell else the other guy's name is. Damian Jones. The Damian, I mean, I guess Damian Jones doesn't deserve that much respect from you, but. <laughs> you know, I get, I Damian Jones, Diamond Stone, all those guys, they're all the same. <laughs> like, I just mix them all up. They, I, I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta has had like all the, it's like they have had all the centers in the league at the same time, it feels like, like all these young centers. And I just get all these people mixed up now, but maybe that's just the old man in me. Uh, but yeah, Jalen Smith was put in a terrible position by those two, but that's neither here nor there. Tyrese Halliburton. So listen, last night they played the Bulls. The Bulls have a very strong effort from Kobe White, uh, Otto Porter. You know, they really put it to him. De'Aaron Fox gets hurt within the first few minutes. So he's out. Buddy Heald sucks. So basically, like, in, in a normal circumstance, the Kings are losing this game. Like, your two best players are either out or just worthless. And, I mean, Buddy Heald, to be fair to Buddy Heald, he did have a huge four-point play at the very end. But before that point, he was, like, 3 of 15. So, like, he was just not helping out. But Tyrese Halliburton was, like, forced to – be good. Like he had to be the guy because Corey Joseph can only do so much. And like they had to play Halliburton a ton and like, he wasn't doing that great early on, but the fourth quarter, he just exploded and had like 15 points. Like he was hitting threes. He hit a big three at the very end, like a step back corner three to, to really clinch it. And I mean, so in 35 minutes, he finished with 17 points, seven rebounds, six assists, 
one block, three steals. Like this dude is like an all around stud. Like he's it kind of a like if I feel like so he's averaging one point three steals a game. It feels like he's averaging three steals a game. Like he's so freaking active in passing lanes. And I mean he has earned Luke Walden's trust. Like the least amount of minutes he's played in the game so far was twenty five. Like he's he he looks like he's been a pro for a few years. I mean, like I'm you're right on point. Like he is basically just stepping into Bogdanovich's role and filling in perfectly. I mean, he just does not have a lot of holes in his game. And like, I mean, you could tell last night that like he he needs to be playing off of someone like Darren Fox because as a sole creator for a team, like he can run a pick and roll. Like he, that's not a problem, but he is just not quick. He's pretty slow and deliberate with his movements. So he, he's better playing off someone I think and kind of cutting and moving around when he has the ball in his hands, he's smart, but he's just not quick. Like he's not a guy like Darren Fox. that can just cut through a defense and score at the rim. He has decent touch. So like he's able to finish still, but, um, but I love watching him, man. Like, and his three point shot is so unique. It's like these, the announcers call it a set shot. Like it's kind of, if you haven't seen it, it's kind of hard to describe, but he doesn't really like move his legs. Like it's kind of like almost a catapult. I would say like he kind of catches the ball and just kind of throws it up with his legs straight. Like it's an odd shot, but it works. I mean, he's shooting 48% from three for God's sakes. And like, most of these looks are open, um, but, like, still, I, I really enjoy um, watching him. And the fact that he's a rookie and making this kind of impact is is really big for the Kings. Ah, and in the interest of time, because I am hungry, I have not really eaten that much today, let's do my favorite game called, and I'm we did this kind of last week, but I think I found a, good, a really good name for it. I want to call it Role Player Roulette. And the, I think the Kings actually have a pretty good team for this. So, Buddy, we don't really need to talk about Buddy because I think he's a phenomenal shooter. And obviously, yes, he sucked last night. But teams are going to key on key in on Buddy Healed. They're just going to try to shut him down. Like, that's a key ingredient to the game plan. And this guy that I'm, I'm going to mention, he's not really a, a role player per se. He's making a lot of money, but he basically is a role player at this point in his career. And that's Harrison Barnes. Um, I like what I've seen from Harrison Barnes so far. I think that he's being, you know, aggressive when he needs to be. He's driving well. I mean, he's still a really good defensive player. I mean, the Kings could do a lot worse at power forward than Harrison Barnes. Yeah, Harrison Barnes is another reason they won last night. Like, their entire front court was good. Um, I think him, Bagley, and Holmes had, like, over 60 points combined. And, like, they needed that because, again, like, with, with Fox out and healed just doing nothing, they needed that scoring boost. But yeah, like Barnes has been good this year. And I think he's the perfect fit for this team, honestly. Um, Cause he's, I mean, he can make three point shots and anytime these, these guards are cutting, like he's open somewhere. Cause just the way the defense collapses. And uh, I mean, he's just, he's always been a smart off ball player and he's been a guy that we've kind of shit on. Cause he was like the worst player on golden state when he was there. And, oh, he goes to be the guy in Dallas, and it didn't really work out. But, I mean, he's he's a good player, man. Like, he's – he's. I was thinking about this while watching that game, but I, I think he's 
probably like well i think replacement level is probably disrespectful like he's he's above replacement level but like i'd rather have a lot of guys than harrison barnes yeah like if you have him in, in your starting lineup you probably have a decent team is like and not that you know like the kings are not a terrible team and like we were talking about at the beginning of this segment, like if they were in the East, it'd be a lot different. But I mean, even even though they haven't looked incredible so far, like they've been competing with all the teams they played except Golden State. But like you know, those Phoenix games were close, and they beat Denver. I mean, they they have a decent squad, and and having someone like Harrison Barnes uh, for that young group, I think helps a lot. I'll tell you what, the Warriors probably wish they had Harrison Barnes right now. Oh yeah, how the tables have turned, <laughs> and I'm sure th- I'm sure the Kings would like uh, Steph Curry, but hey, hey, they did Vivek did say that Buddy Heald was going to be their version, so we'll have to we'll have to wait for that one. Buddy Heald is kind of like a quasi quasi Clay, but let's yeah, just like, way worse at defense. Yes, of course, but <laughs> like on offense, I I think Buddy's really good, but he is um, yeah. So, do we want to talk about Bagley? Because Bagley had a really – like, I mean, he had a good game last night. But other than that, he had a really a really rough week. Listen, I've been waiting to shit on Bagley all week. So, we are talking about this. <laughs> okay. Okay. He is awful. I'm I'm over it. I'm over people trying to act like he's good. Okay. I And I have been anti-Bagley ever since the draft. I think I on my big board I had him like 13th. And there were some people around the NBA, like, coverage having him top three, which was ludicrous. I mean, no disrespect to this dude. I don't even remember his name. There was some dude at at CBS that had him number one. And I was just – it's like, this is really what's happening right now. Um, he sucks, okay? He doesn't have a right hand. Even though he had a good game last night, 21 points, 8 of 14 from the field, five threes. He is not creating these shots at all. All those threes were wide open. Why were they wide open? Because he sucks at shooting. He just happened to make those. He, I mean, a lot of these points he's getting in the paint are just off uh, offensive rebounds. Offensive rebound scoring is, like, obviously very important. Like, second chance points are huge. Having a guy like that is great. But, like, he doesn't offer anything that, like, I mean, what what was Kenneth Freed? You know, Kenneth Freed was an offensive rebounder that had some energy, got rebounds, putbacks. That's his game. Like, would would Kenneth Freed ever be looked at as the best player in a draft? I don't think so. And is I mean, this is Bagley's third year. I have not seen any improvement. Before last night, he shot two of nine the night before, five of thirteen the night before. One of nine the night before. He's shooting 39% from the field. This is a guy that's supposed to be a beast in the paint. He's shooting 39% from the field. And and the biggest problem, and this, watching both of those Rockets games, I mean, every time he gets posted up in the paint, one of those guards just comes and slaps the ball right out of his hands. For, for someone that's supposed to be a post-dominant player, he has the damn weakest hands I've ever seen. I mean, I just – I don't get it. And 
And I know the argument you're about to make because you made it through text about his confidence through the Kings and all that. And maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But I have seen zero evidence of him being a worthwhile NBA player aside from his rebounding chops. Okay. So allow me to, allow me to rebut Dylan Hughes. Allow me to rebut. So the thing about Marvin Bagley is he – so. I understand, yes, he has not improved a lot from his rookie year, but he's he's just passed a full season. Like, he literally just passed a full season yesterday. <laughs> he just played his 83rd career game. He has not played a lot in the NBA. This is, if he goes healthy, this is going to be the longest, this will be the most games he's played in the season in his three years, right? He's, he's five away from passing how many he played last season. <laughs> the other thing is, I can't dispute the poke, the ball getting poked away from him thing, right? That's that's pretty damning, but I would say he's being misused, right? He should not be playing power forward. He's very clearly a center and on offense, on defense. Yeah, I can't really argue with you there. But if you were like the way that they were playing last night with no white side and they were just playing him basically as the backup center when Holmes was off the court. I think that's probably the best way to make use of him, right? Just have him kind of be like, you know, maybe start him at the four and then play him at the five and then take him out when Holmes is ready to come back in. I think that let him feast against second units because he's more athletic than everybody and let him try to figure out his game. Like he's, I mean, he's making a decent percentage of his threes. (laughs) I mean, decent. I think that there's something there. I'm not ready to give up on Bagley yet. Now, if he does this for another two years and he can't stay healthy, then yeah, I'm ready to give up on him. But I think he, like, I obviously understand where you're coming from. You're not coming at him because of this. But you have to think about from his angle, right? He is probably getting so much hate from Sacramento fans for not being Luka Doncic, okay? He is probably, you know, the expectations of being a second pick overall, right? There aren't a lot of second picks that have succeeded in the NBA, like contrary to what you would probably think heading in, right? Like who are the second overall picks that have been like good, like Kevin Durant, Brandon Ingram, like in the recent vintage, that's probably it. Like I can't think of like second overall has been really cursed for the most part. And I, there's a lot of expectations and I don't know if Bagley is ready to handle him. And again, like we said with Markel Fultz in Philadelphia, it's not Bagley's fault. It's Sacramento's fault for picking a guy that's not ready for it, ready for the responsibility. So I think that Bagley, <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. Cause yes, he probably was very overrated just cause he's big and athletic. And, but that being said, I think he's shown enough flashes where I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I, I just can't do it yet, but I understand where you're coming from completely. Well, and here's the thing. I, I understand where you're coming from because you know, being stuck between, you know, Luca, Aiden, Trey, all those guys, like, you know, he's obviously Jaren. Jaren Jackson. Yeah. Like he's obviously, and, and even just taking, you know, the, just the big man class. I mean, he's, you know, the worst out of all those guys. And, you know, I understand the expectations thing, but at the same time, this is a guy that was highly touted forever. Like he's, he's, he, he should not have the expectations impact him. Like I, it's not like he was, you know, Anthony Bennett where no one knew who the hell he was. And all of a sudden he's a top pick, you know, like it's not like he was just all of a sudden put into this position where he has attention. So 
I don't know if, if I would consider that as much as an excuse. Um, moving forward for him, like here, here's what I look for. And this is why I'm still high on Miles Turner. Miles Turner has every year he's had something new into his game. And you can just see the instincts, like with a lot of players. The in, in, you see it with Aiton right now, I think. Like, you know, you, you, you know, you come into your rookie year, you do this and that. The next year, it's like, oh, he's a little bit better of a passer. Oh, he made that read a little bit better than he did the year before. Oh, he learned this defensive trick compared to what happened last year to him. You know, you just see little building blocks every year that it, you can really see and get excited for because once those building blocks start to build up in, you know, three, four, five years, it's like, wow, you got a pretty damn good player here. And I agree with you that he has not played um, a lot. He's been injured a lot. But at the same time, he's still playing every season. Like, he's playing games, and he's had offseason. He's had tape to look at and improve. And I am just not seeing anything. I'm not seeing any passing instincts. His defense is atrocious. Like, so he got matched up with John Wall once on the perimeter. And, yes, I know. It's not fair. Like, John Wall – is so explosive right now. Like it's really, and I'm excited whenever we get around to the Rockets because because John Wall has looked great. But you gotta try. I mean, he you could tell that he thought he had no chance of guarding him, and you just can't do that in the NBA. You're gonna get killed every time because these these switches happen a lot. And John Wall is not the only quick player in the league that he's gonna get matched up with. And if he just consistently gets burned by these guys, that's just another thing that he's bad at and I'm I mean I'm just not I'm just not seeing any sort of instincts that or any sort of small improvements that makes me think he's going to get better like Sabonis was a guy that didn't he did not have a right hand early in his career and he still is very left hand oriented but he uses his right hand when it's best Marvin Bagley just doesn't even try to use his right hand He's going to that left hand every time. And what do you think defenses are going to think? Oh, he's going to his freaking left hand. I'm going to block that shit. Like, I just – I mean, it's still early this season. Maybe things will start to get better. But, like, I'm pretty close to to writing him off. Like, he – you know, becoming a bench big is one thing. The expectations are a lot lower. Like, if you can rebound and – and hit some open threes, you're you're fine. But you know, as far as being a starting four on any team, let alone a playoff team, I just don't see it. All right. So instead of going through the rest of the role player roulette, because I think I've made my feelings for Nemanja Bielitsa known throughout the the history of this podcast. If free him, by the way, get him to Golden State. Um, I love Nemanja Bielitsa. Glenn Robinson is playing well. Corey Joseph is Corey Joseph. I think I touched on all the other role players. Okay. So now what we're going to do is we're going to do a game called Bagley or other 2018 draft pick. Okay. <laughs> and we're not even going to start in the lottery, right? Or ne- maybe not the lottery. We're going to go to the lower lottery. Okay. Bagley or Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, I'll take Wendell, which Bag- I took. I took him early on. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Bagley or Colin Sexton? This one I think is kind of obvious. Uh, Sexton. Bagley or Kevin Knox? Oh, God. That I'll take Bagley. <laughs> 
I'm not going to do Mikhail Bridges because everyone knows the answer to that question. Or Shea Gilgis Alexander, M- Marvin Bagley, or Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges. Marvin Bagley or Jerome Robinson. Oh, jeez, Bagley. <laughs> All right, here's. I think this might be the toughest one. Marvin Bagley or Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> I, Dylan. I know who I'm choosing. I just I want to I I have a feeling we're going to disagree on this one. <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. I absolutely would take Marvin Bagley 10 times out of 10. I feel like Marvin Bagley Did you did you watch SpongeBob when you were a kid? I I, I did. So you know remember the one episode where the guy like said he was like made out of paper? The bones are made out of paper and he that's Michael Porter Jr. to me. He's going to fall apart at some point. Give me Bagley. All right. Um, let's go. Let's get to the rest of the lower lottery. All right. Um, Troy Brown. Hmm. Uh, I'll say Troy Brown. Wow. Um, Zaire Smith is practically out of the league. So oh. poor guy. Um, Dante DiVincenzo. Dante. All right. Lonnie Walker and Kevin Herter are obvious. Josh Akogi. Oh, yeah, Josh Akogi for sure. <laughs> Grayson Allen. Oh, jeez. Feel- <laughs> you know, Grayson Allen might be better, but I'm taking Bagley just because I don't like Grayson Allen either. All right, Chandler Hutchinson. Uh, I haven't watched enough of him. I feel like it would be disrespectful to Bagley to say I wouldn't take him <laughs> in that situation. All right, here's one. Here's one that might get at your homer bone. Aaron Holiday. Uh, if you asked me a week ago, it would be so much easier, but he has sucked lately, man. I still think Aaron holiday show me more. (laughs) This is incredible content right here. Anthony (laughs) Simons. Oh my God. Uh, I'll take Bagley. Mo Wagner. Mm, Bagley. Landry Shamit. Bagley. Um, let's go to let's go to the second round. Some of the highlights of the second round. Ilya Kobo. Oh, Bagley. Javon Carter. Man. I'll say Bagley. Um Devontae Graham. Yeah, Devontae Graham for sure. <laughs> Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson. Gary Trent Jr. Oh, you mean a rotation player on a good playoff team? Yeah. Which Bagley will never be. <laughs> God damn, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. And you know, to interrupt real quick, I am rooting for Bagley. I will say this. He had a block last night. I'm like, thank you. Good. Finally. Like, I want him to be good. This is not me being spiteful. This is not me, like, trying to make my draft ranking right. I don't care about that. He sucks. All right, next person. Isaac Bunga. Uh, you got to go with Bagley there. Come okay. on now. You First of all, stop naming Wizards players. That <laughs> Listen, is unfair. <laughs> I'm just going through. I don't want to name, like, all the good players. I skipped Jalen Brunson. Because I know three, the answer to that. Three question. Wizards players in this conversation. That just makes Bagger look too good. I mean, that, to be fair, they have all the 2018 end of, you know, after 15 picks. It's crazy. 
Actually, it was four. You said Troy Brown, too. Wait, it's okay. I said Troy Brown. Oh, Jerome Robinson. Okay, Jerome to be Robinson. fair, to be fair, Jerome Robinson, I kind of forgot he was on the Wizards. Give okay. give me a little bit of slack. Okay, that's fair. Um, but give me the answer on Bonga. Oh, yeah, I'll say Bagley. <laughs> Rodion's Kuruks. Uh, I haven't watched enough of him either, so Bagley. All right. Um, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. Hamadou Diallo. Oh, my God. I just watched him last night. Dude's electric. Diallo, for sure. My God. <laughs> the Anthony Melton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Melton. Melton. I, I, I know where you're going to go with this. V. Luke. You know, I'll take Bagley. I, if you asked me that two years ago when he was on Detroit, or wait, is he where is he at right now? I think he's still on Detroit. Oh yeah, where where? Oh, he was on the Lakers when he was on the Lakers. If you said that, then I would have taken him. But Detroit is is wasteland right now. <laughs> I want to ask you this, but I don't want to hurt your feelings because I know you're you're a fan. But fuck it, Vince Edwards. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that that is that's un, that's cruel right there. Sorry, <laughs> I had to go. Listen, Vince Edwards had an amazing career as a boilermaker, okay? But Backley. Uh, Dylan, I think we're done for this week. I'm sorry. I'm not actually that sorry. But I would have to say it. Listen, when when we're uh when we're in like 2027 and Bagley is like on TV, we'll go back to this podcast. We'll go back to it. I thought you said when the seeds of our rift are finally fully formed for the world to see, <laughs> this podcast was going to be the reason why. <laughs> our future is full of, of beautiful reminiscing on these podcasts. When we're, when we're raking money in from advertisers and traveling the country and and terrible players are falling out of the league and great players are being hyped up. We'll be returning to these early days and uh and we'll be uh laughing at everyone. And I will be laughing at you for trying to argue that Marvin Bagley is worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> touche my friend touche and on that note this has been a wonderful episode um go check out our other great stuff on the network um triple option pass is going to be back tomorrow they'll be reviewing all of the bowl action from the week and they'll be reviewing the college football playoff which again going back to our early discussion we bombed terribly um it's really bad and I, i'm not even going to ask you to predict that one um lynn sanity like we said dylan hughes will be on in the future um to review our preview playoff action, right? I think that that'd be next week if I had to guess. Yes. So go check out the, um, the review pods. They'll have Zach Griffith on Bryson, Caleb will, and then Caleb will have Dylan Hughes on in the future. And it'll be a, it'll be a romp as they say, um, go check out circle city cinema. They actually did an episode on tenant. I have not seen the movie yet. And I don't know if I want to, cause it's just it's it seems really confusing, a lot more confusing than Inception. And Inception was very confusing. 
And I'm, the Battleground was also back this week. And it sounds like they had an awesome episode. Dylan Hughes, you again, you're a big time author man. Promote the book. <laughs> yes, from one young soul to another, it's, you know, the New York Times is considering for the bestseller list. They're looking at it. You know, uh, gotta wait, gotta wait for some numbers to roll in. But hopefully within the next couple of weeks here, we'll have that uh, on the list. And I have not told Dylan this yet, but I've read, well, I told him I read most of the book. It's honestly very insightful. And I'm not saying that because he's my co-host. I'm saying that because I have to listen to a lot of my friends' podcasts and tell them objectively whether or not they suck. And they usually <laughs> don't suck. But I'm used to objectively reading my friend's stuff. And Dylan, I am being genuine when I say I am very much enjoying your book. I appreciate it very much. And Heavy Pockets, make sure you subscribe to that. Dylan's finance newsletter. Dylan has his hands in a lot of uh Dylan has his hands in a lot of pockets, if you will. Um yes. I guess I guess that's not the way that I should have been phrased, but fuck it. <laughs> that's my life philosophy in 2021. I almost said 2020 because there's life seems to be moving on an endless loop for me. But Dylan Hughes, thank you so much again for doing this podcast with me. <laughs> Thank you. And shout out to the Reds for not trading for Francisco Lindor because, you know, why, why try to win anymore? It's, it's obviously not going to happen. So shout That's, out to them not doing that during here's, here's what we'll do during the week of the all-star break. Okay. Just before, before we go, just a little treat for our listeners. Okay. If they made it this long, we're not going to do a basketball pod the week of the all-star break. What we're going to do is we're going to bitch about our baseball teams because that's something that we both can can find love in and we'll, oh, yeah. we'll bring on, we'll bring on Nicole and we'll bring on some other Reds fans. Make it a grand old time. <laughs> I would enjoy nothing more than that. <laughs> and on that note, thank you so much for making it this far. It's been a blast. <laughs> and because I forgot to announce this at the end of the pod, I'm going to staple this on our teams for the next week are going to be the Oklahoma city thunder as our shitty team. We're going to do the Charlotte Hornets And we are going to do one of our favorites, the Denver Nuggets. Thank you so much for listening and have hope you're having a great 2021 so far.